Hey everybody, this is Sean from Low Code Approach. Before we hop in today's episode, I want to let you know that we are collecting everyone's thoughts on what topics we should cover for the upcoming season. To submit them, hopefully you're not driving. If you are, wait until you get somewhere safe. But go to aka.ms forward slash low code topic request. That's all one word aka.ms forward slash low code topic request. From there, enter what topics you'd like us to cover in the upcoming season. And who knows, maybe we'll be able to get to them and get to the best people at Microsoft to talk to. Anyway, thanks for listening. We're excited to get your thoughts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of The Low Code Approach. I'm Sean Feeney, one-third of this podcast, and I'm also joined by... I'm Wendy Haddad. I'm a senior cloud solution architect and a former customer of Microsoft, and I'm joined by... My name is Ken Aguilard, also known as Dr. No, also known as the guy who's introducing my fellow PM and program manager, that is... Mick Erlen. Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you. I don't have as cool of a nickname as Ken, so no cool <laughs> doctor, no nickname. I am a product manager for the Power Platform. Nice to meet you all. Awesome. Thank you for joining, Mick. So today is going to be an interesting podcast. Mick is, is our guest, but also taking dual roles is Ken or Dr. No, because we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that both Ken and Mick are heavily invested in, and it is some new features coming to managed environments talking about rules and groups. And so let's start with the most basic question. What are rules and groups in relation to managed environments and Power Platform? I guess I can kick that one off, Sean, and thanks for the question. So we've heard consistent feedback from customers that it is problematic for them to manage the platform at scale in such a way that they can have 10 100, 1,000, 10,000 environments and ensure that they are consistently deployed with the same settings, the same posture, the same security, and so on within the platform. So what the feature that you mentioned, the thing that we're calling groups and rules right now is, is effectively proactive policy-driven governance directly within the product that administrators can use to administer the platform at scale. Mick, would you like to add anything more to that? I'll just throw in an example. Think of it as an analogous thing to a folder that you would use to collect some documents that you have on your desktop. You'll see once we turn this on in the admin center at some point that you do have this concept where it's a bucket where you can host your environments. And like Ken said, from that point forward, you're able to apply a whole bunch of different policies and settings in aggregate to all of those environments. So it's very similar to this concept of folders on the desktop, and even there is analogous concepts in Azure that we can point towards. I want to double click on that. And can you use the word policy? And Mick, you and I have talked a lot about formerly DLP policies or data policies in the Power Platform. How much is this tied to that or separate? Well, historically, it is tied to that. If I can give a little bit of an origin story here, Ken and I used to work a lot on the DLP policies. And what we noticed is that this was one of the few things you had in the Power Platform today that you can easily apply to many environments in bulk. So the whole story was, can we offer this kind of ability to govern at scale, but to everything in the platform? And that's where this concept of groups kind of came up. And what rules are, because I don't think we described it enough in the previous question, is 
it's just a loosely defined term, but what we effectively mean is like any setting that you have today in the Power Platform or some of the policies that you have, we're slowly going to sort of onboard those as rules to which you can apply to your groups. So it's just sort of an umbrella term that we're using here. And the whole idea, the whole origin story is to try to take some of that goodness that we had from DLP and make it a little bit more of a standard across the whole Power Platform. Yeah, to add on to mix part of the origin story here, if we take sharing limits, for example, so sharing limits within managed environments today is a great feature whereby folks can, of course, as the name implies, limit the application sprawl by controlling how many folks an application can be shared with. But having to do that in one environment is very different than having to do that across a hundred or a thousand environments. Data policies today does that very well because, you know, you can group things by environment type and so on, right? So I can say, oh, all of my environments can or cannot use these particular connectors. So as the example, you can group a set of environments together, as Mick said, and then set sharing limits across all of those things in roughly four clicks or so, Mick, something like that. I'd have to get into the interface to really tell you exactly how many clicks to be spot on. So this sounds unbelievably beneficial for admins trying to, you know, apply governance at scale. Are they the only beneficiaries of these features coming to light or do others in an organization benefit from these coming uh, out for Power Platform? Yeah, let me let me jump in with that one. That's a phenomenal question, Sean. So that has been part of the challenge in terms of defining these controls is Finding the balance between, say, what administrators want to do within the platform, but then also the ability to, say, for example, allow for the maker community, the folks who are still creating the resources within those environments, the freedom to still create that resources. So along with that, you may have also heard of a feature called environment routing. So what we've done is uh, we've taken groups and rules and then also use that to enhance things like environment routing, such that environment routing, for example, now can use groups and rules and a maker can land inside of PowerApp Studio. So make that powerapps.com. Once they land inside of there, their developer environment gets provisioned. That provisioned environment lands in the specific group. Again, the maker is provisioning that environment, but on the back end, the rules and the groups that the administrator has set those things, those policies get imprinted upon environment that the maker created via the studio experience. So very seamless, you know, sort of coordination between the administrator and the maker themselves. So if I'm hearing it right, today's world, we've got hundreds or even thousands of environments that are individually managed whether it's by the Power Platform admin or environment admins. But in tomorrow's world, you have the ability to apply these governance policies at a, a meta level across these environments and save time. But my question is, is what about the size of the organization? Does every single organization benefit from this? Do we see a certain size or scale where this actually becomes a beneficial feature? For them, is it something that they should implement right off the bat, no matter how many environments they have, and then uh, have it in place for them to be ready to grow? Like, how should we be thinking about this? Well, it's always easier to get started on a good foot than to retrofit, that's for sure. There is definitely a threshold of perhaps number of environments, apps, 
flows bots. We haven't found the magic number yet where, you know, this ability to govern in aggregate is particularly useful, that's for sure. And I mean, what's wonderful with the Power Platform in the last five years is that we've really seen an increase in customers that are now in this camp, right? And it's the same IT team and the same number of people that are managing this ever-increasing share of low-code in their companies. But what I would say is, you know, as we start introducing these new concepts, it would still be wise for somebody who's maybe not at that scale yet to at least start tinkering with these concepts and setting things up in a way so that as their own organization goes all in in the Power Platform, sometimes that takes a year or two or three, they are well positioned from the beginning to adapt to that change. So that's how I would answer it. I don't know if Dr. No has a point to add, but usually you do, Kent. So <laughs> I'll, I'll enhance that just slightly, Nick. The way that you explained it, like my translation matrix in my head said to me that there is not necessarily a one size fits all. However, groups and rules provides the ability to manage the platform at scale for any organization deciding on how they choose to use the, these particular features. So it could be with one environment, could be with 10. Customer to remain nameless that has the greatest potential that we've seen so far has over 17,000 environments and they are eagerly anticipating this particular feature. So let me rephrase the question that Wendy posed before when she asked about like what size of organization should implement this, this type of role. What about, regardless of size, that company's journey through the adoption path? Is there a section in that adoption journey where an organization could get the most value out of groups and rules? I don't know if we got enough time to go. Goodbye. <laughs> Let's get on my soapbox here, John. <laughs> so I'm trying to abbreviate the answer here. So first off, I've said this in the past, I think to someone, a few customers and whatnot. While things like data policies and whatnot may not consistently change within your organization, because, you know, again, like maybe that's what your security posture and so on is, you should still be continuously evaluating the administrative compliance, governance, and security postures of Power Platform and just, you know, throughout whatever applications and services and so on that you're using within your organization, especially if they're cloud-based. The reason for that is because using Power Platform as the example, we're in an evergreen state. We're constantly, consistently changing. So Mick can probably attest to this, I mean, like how fast have we developed groups and rules and introduced this? Mick, I mean, you want to maybe add in a few more things there? I mean, I'll just attest that it is an accurate account of how <laughs> things have gone in the past few months. Definitely evergreen and we're moving fast. This is so important, I think, because I mean, I'm I'm on the front lines and I've, I've worked as a customer and there's always the, the struggle of set it and forget it. And I think a lot of times we might be in a good state at one point, but you know, I even just think about last year, we we introduced tenant isolation, which is a huge feature, right, in, as part of your security posture. And now we have this in terms of managing at scale. And so just constantly evaluating your your governance posture is very important on a, on a regular cadence. And I know you guys have the release waves as the, the release plans. It's a really great way just to understand what's coming and biannually just take a really healthy, good look at your at your setup and make sure that you are uh, in alignment with what we recommend as a best practice. And, you know, we're also innovating with best practices in this modern world. Think about AI and how much the world has changed in, in 
such a very short amount of time. And so super, super important there. One thing I want to ask is you kind of hinted this, Ken, but we didn't quite go in there. What if we have an organization that already has a lot of environments? Did they miss the boat on environments and groups and rules? Or can we go ahead and maybe take advantage of it? Well, I think that plays into what you also mentioned, Wendy, about reevaluating your stance and then looking at, you know, the product roadmap and how things, you know, sort of align to your organization. So today we are starting with, um, with previews. And the reason why we do many of our previews, be it private and public, is to gather feedback and data from customers, field, and so on, so that we can adjust before we go into GA. Now, many of our previews, there's a method to me saying all of this, are somewhat limited. So today in the previews, in the private preview, we recommend and that folks do not necessarily use this in production, but they just understand the framework, test it out, and then use those particular environments and resources that they're creating as tests, if you will. Once we start going in the public in GA, Wendy, then absolutely start really considering your strategy and thinking about, hey, how can I now use this? How can I align this? What's coming next? Sean, when you introduced this feature, you talked about managed environments. We've already gotten signals from customers that, hey, managed environments is great. What else can I manage inside of rules? Like, what else can I do? What other knobs can I twist at scale? I just wanted to throw in a, a maybe a concrete example of how some customers have thought about the groups, right? So some are thinking of organizing their groups based on geo, geography. Some are thinking about organizing it based on like department or project. So, you know, even though it's not available to everybody right now you know folks are already anticipating that okay maybe i'll have a group for my environments that are located in the eu because perhaps for certain reasons there's more controls that i need to put in place right and then within that eu group and now i'm kind of getting a bit ahead of myself looking a bit later in the roadmap but okay within that group there is perhaps certain subgroups for certain projects or departments that need perhaps a slightly tweaked set of rules compared to that of the of the whole geo. So there's a lot of different ways that you can slice and dice your organization with these groups and to just effectively make it as optimal for you as an admin. I also want to add on, on to what Mick said. As I've worked with companies as, and as I've administered the Power Platform, I think a lot of times one of the biggest blockers in the Power Platform is People think about, oh, I have to turn this on for everybody in my organization. All the the maybe legal nuance, nuances or sensitive content nuances. And while everybody in your organization can benefit, sometimes the ability to just get started is by starting with a certain group or subset. And this is a perfect example of a feature that allows you to start, you know, progressively rolling this out. Maybe one part of your your organization is ready to adopt and the other one isn't. And so you're no longer blocking the entire organization. You can allow them to kind of segment off and, and you're not you're not holding everyone back because one group isn't ready to move. I've seen this happen. And so the ability to allow some people to move at the rate that they're ready to will actually allow them to adopt faster and allow them to actually be able to innovate faster within your company and your organization as well. So Wendy, let me give you a quick example of that. You, you raised several good points. Being a former customer and now, of course, in the field and whatnot, you, you know that part of our guidance from not just Microsoft, but even in the communities has been in the past to turn off the developer plans. 
that strategy is gone and has shifted, right? We're highly encouraging folks to use the developer plans today. So a good way for, for folks to get started is to then use environment routing, but along with groups and rules such that now when those, again, developer environments are created, they are centrally managed and governed from the get-go without having to, again, worry about the application sprawl or what kind of codes being created and so on. So that's the purpose of, one of the purposes of, of groups and rules is to be very proactive with those types of scenarios. So Sean, go for it. Ask your question. I forgot. But I, no, I'm kidding. Um, so we've we've covered, you know, starting not from scratch, but you know, organizations that are just rolling out Power Platform, how they would apply rules and groups. We talked about organizations that need to not retrofit, but introduce groups and rules into existing uh, environments. What about new environments being added into existing groups and rules? How does inheritance work? when you're configuring a new environment or you, you've got new employees onboarding and you're setting up a process for an environment to be spawned for them, do they automatically get accepted into uh, an existing rules and groups or can they break inheritance from one to have like a one-off version? There's many layers. So I think we'll, we'll have to take it piece by piece. Just on the question of how do we support new environments, we've mentioned environment routing, right? So just to reiterate, we will leverage that feature with groups and rules so that all of these new developer environments that get created automatically, you can bring them into a single group. And just by virtue of doing that, you know that all of those new environments are going to be pre-configured the way you want them to be. And that's already net new and not possible today in the platform, right? Typically new environments today, they come with the same factory settings. That's how we say it over here. <laughs> so they all come with the same factory settings. Obviously, we are at the very beginning of a long roadmap. You know, you talked about concepts of like breaking inheritance and things like that. We are starting simple where an environment that is part of the group necessarily has all of the rules that are configured for that group, right? And keeping it tight and simple like that. But at some point, we do understand that there are certain needs to be able to kind of spin off certain environments at some point or maybe do something a little bit more unique or even in my example before of like creating a group for the EU and then some subgroups maybe need more particular things. We will certainly get there at some point because we understand that organizations need that kind of flexibility. Happy you bring it up. We're, we're going towards that direction. Talk to me about the work to configure groups and rules. I think, Sean, you kind of mentioned four clicks. Is that really all that it takes or is there a default setting? What are the things that admins should be thinking about and when they're implementing groups and rules? So when you're, you're asking some, some great questions here and, you know, I know we're on a podcast, but I'm going to visually sort of walk folks through this. Let's all close our eyes and imagine what I'm about to say, right? I, as an administrator, log into Power Platform Admin Center and the first thing I see on the left is going to be something brand new, right below environments, you're going to see environment groups. Like once I click on environment groups, I can then click in the top left of that panel that opens up there, that window, and there's going to be a new button. So I click new. First thing I do is create my new group. So I can name that development environments, managed environments, HR environments, so on and so forth. So I give the group a name and a description, click OK. I'm then prompted to create rules or configure my rules for that particular group. So that was step one was to create the group, right, Wendy? The next thing would be now I need to configure my rules. 
All right. So there's a list of rules that will appear inside of there today. And I would simply have to go through and then configure my rules. So click number two would be configure my rules inside of that. After I've configured my rules, my next option would be then to save my rules. When I'm ready, I hit publish. That's click number three. Lastly is then to create the environments inside of here. So from that, there's now an environment creation button. Um, so one thing that we should also mention is that environment creation has been enhanced. So there's an additional field now whereby when you're creating an environment, you can actually select the particular group that that environment should belong to. So thus placing it in the group container. And of course, when, when we, as we said in the past, when you create that environment from within that particular, um, attaching it to that particular group, it inherits all those, those rules. So that's click number four ish, if you will. So create environments, but existing environments, we can add them in as well. Correct. That is the goal today. We don't allow for existing environments. We will allow them into public preview, right? That's going to be coming later. Right now, private preview, we have it extremely restrictive. So only new environments at the moment, Wendy, but yes, you will be able to put in new environments, take them out and then so on. That is on the roadmap. So we're coming towards the end uh, of this episode. And so I just want to ask uh, both Mick and Ken, what content can people have available to them to kind of prep themselves for rules and groups or thinking about bigger picture and enterprise scale governance. Is there anything that people should take a look at or expect to take a look at? Because I'm totally putting you guys up to, you know, create a bunch of learn docs and everything right now. I mean, not necessarily. I think we're going to want to provide all those content because <laughs> listen, at the end of the day, this is really a completely new concept for people who manage the power platform. So I do think that the burden is gonna be on us to show people how to use these concepts, right? And why it's useful to, to leverage these concepts, um, just because, right? Uh, you know, there, there's always the muscle memory of how to manage things, right? So I think once we get to a point where we have a public release, you know, you'll have your, your whole plethora of documentation, blog posts, perhaps a part two to this podcast, that I was talking to Ken beforehand, hopefully. So I, I think I just signed us up for another round. Uh, something <laughs> else is coming. I see that smile. Yeah. So, you know, we'll have the whole plethora of docs and we've had in the past, like provided like adoption best practices. And I, I even think something of that nature for these concepts would be useful. And that way we can go a little bit deeper into some of the questions we talked about. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll add on to that just a little bit. Something that I know we've, we've said in the past and that folks have said to us, one, I really look forward to the journey of, you know, like of developing this feature absolutely, as we all do. Like Mick and I sometimes sit down and just start geeking out about what we're what we're building and listening to customer feedback. Speaking of which, when we do hear from customers, we get super excited, especially when they sort of debunk some of the theories or things that we're thinking of in terms of like, oh, well, this is, this should be true. And then a customer proves us 100% wrong or something along those lines, right? We absolutely love the feedback. That's one thing. And then Wendy, to double down on something that you sort of mentioned, Sean did, and then Mick just said as well, I can say that something that customers have been asking for specifically is prescriptive guidance. What I feel is that we, this is, you know, just me, my personal opinion. I feel that we're on the road 
to being able to provide something with what we're building, whereby eventually customers may be able to have those abilities to templatize, you know, environment creation and roles and things along those lines. Right. And maybe that could grow into a connected ecosystem where, Wendy, I could share my configuration yeah. with you. You could share it with me and so on. Right. Yeah. Well, the best prescriptive guidance is in product, if possible, yes. rather than outside. And, and so we're, we're solving this both in our docs. I know PowerCat is doing a really great job running ahead and providing guidance and enhancing, but then building it into the product is ultimately our North Star. And I, I love the synergy and I, I love the collaboration there. So it sounds like we definitely need a part two of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I know we got to wrap up soon and we'll work on getting you guys scheduled for, oh, yeah. for any big announcements coming as well. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you, Mick. Ken, you're always here, but I'm going to thank you anyway. <laughs> but listen, we look forward to, to digging deeper into groups and rules and all the managed environments features that are going to be coming out in the near future. And thank you, everybody, for checking out Low Code Approach. And we look forward to having more content for you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.